through our special time of music this morning, what we have all been reminded of once again is that Jesus is the only reason for the season. We've been reminded how wonderful Jesus is. I think about those video testimonies and Louise talking about how you, 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 they, they told you you had cancer and having to go through the surgery and, and others here who have been through cancer battles and, and others who have been battling other illnesses and, and financial problems and loss of job, loss of wages, uh, homes that are in trouble this year and, and facing uh, unwarranted and unwanted court battles and, and on and on just how amazing our God is, that He loves us. And uh, truly for those who know Jesus, stay with me, for those who truly know Jesus, He is your joy. He is our joy. In fact, it's been said many years ago that joy is the serious business of heaven. It's the serious business of heaven. And uh, I was thinking... uh, Last night I was thinking about all the different times that we hear about joy in Scripture. I was thinking about when Mary, you know, when Mary visited Elizabeth, uh, Elizabeth, her cousin, and we'll say much more mature cousin. We won't say that Elizabeth was older, but she was more mature than Mary. And when Mary visited Elizabeth, you remember in Scripture, the Bible says that that the babe leaped inside of her womb. Why? For what? For joy. Knowing that Jesus was in Mary's womb. Wow, amazing is that. Mary sang, in fact, right after that episode, you remember Mary sang her song of joy when she said, My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God, my Savior. Oh, the angel proclaimed to those shepherds. Oh, listen, the angel came down, remember, and the glory of the Lord shone round about the shepherds, and the angel said, Hey, fear not. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy. And the best part for last, which shall be unto all people. Oh yes, red and yellow, black and white. He is precious in our sight, amen? And uh, I think about when the wise men, you remember I was talking about this on Tuesday night, when the wise men, they were finished with old King Herod. And they had come to Jerusalem and they said, hey, we have seen a star in the east and we are come to worship him. Uh, which was born king of the Jews. And, and Herod is like, Herod's like, well, I'm, I'm king. You, you didn't know I'm king. And they're no, no, we're looking for a new king. You might be the earthly king. We're looking for the eternal king. And it says when they finished dealing with Herod, they went out and they saw his star. The Bible says that they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. Over and over we find in Scripture this idea of joy and Jesus Christ being connected. And from a worldly perspective, I want you to see this from a worldly perspective, Merriam-Webster defines the word joy as the emotion evoked by well-being, success, or good fortune, or by the prospect of possessing what one desires, and they go on to say that it is the expression or exhibition of such an emotion. However, I put on the same slide, or actually uh, Shane did it for me, that biblical joy, though, pinpoints, you see it right there, the source. See, biblical joy doesn't stop with how you feel or what you think, but it pinpoints the source of our gladness and delight. And we sang songs, all of Christmas songs. You think about them, a lot of them contain this idea of joy. And we started this morning with a newer arrangement of joy to the world. 
O come all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant. Uh, we think about good Christian men rejoice with heart and soul and voice. But still, it seems like when I look at Scripture and when I look around, we get joy confused, don't we? We get it confused with this idea of happiness. But happiness, my friends, will leave you longing. Happiness will leave you left undone on the side of the road somewhere. It's different than joy. In fact, happiness, it says here, happiness is the feeling of satisfaction and personal well-being based on favorable circumstances or fun occasions. Let me give you an example. For me, happiness was the Washington football team beating the Cowboys twice this year. But you see, that's limited. Oh, by the way, I'm sorry. Happiness is the Washington football team beating the undefeated Steelers this year. But can I tell you, I know some of you are like, I'm leaving, I'm never coming back. But can I tell you that the only reason that took place is because it's 2020. <laughs> In a normal year, that doesn't happen. So just leave me alone and let me be happy for a second because guess what? Soon it'll leave because guess what? They're playing the Seahawks today. Now you say, I don't know why he follows football anyway. I give up on football in a minute. Listen, we can enjoy sports without getting so political. We can enjoy, we can enjoy these things. Listen, you know what we ought to do for our brethren? Pray for them. All men we ought to be praying for. And so I can celebrate happiness in something as simple as that. And your happiness might be found in a good meal, but guess what? After you eat the meal and digest the meal, there's no more happiness, right? And so happiness and joy are very different. And if 2020 has shown us anything, circumstances change. 2020 has shown us that circumstances change. Today we witnessed the choir separated all across here instead of having them all get up here and congregate together so that you could hear the altos and the sopranos and the tenors and the basses being combined together. So see, where I was sitting, if you were in this section, guess what? You got a heavy dose of alto. If you were sitting right here, you got a heavy dose of tenor. And you here, you got some bass. And then over here, you heard the sopranos. But in a real world, they would all be gathered together so that you could hear the beautiful harmony. You remember I said that just a couple of weeks ago, that when the angels declared that the glory of the Lord, the good tidings of great joy, remember I said, I wrote in the side of my Bible, that what they were declaring is that reconciliation had come into the world. Harmony was now come to all people in the form of Jesus Christ. Oh, what a Savior we serve. Oh, 2020 has shown us that circumstances change and certain occasions often disappoint. But can I tell you this morning very quickly that joy, joy is different than happiness. Joy is so different. And, and here's the thing. Scripture actually connects. Maybe you've never looked at it like this before, but strict, Scripture actually connects our joy with our longings. All throughout Scripture, you hear about people uh, hungering and thirsting and craving and longing and desiring. And in some cases, it's good, and in some cases, it's bad. But can I tell you that God, a very God, connected our joy all the way from the beginning all the way to the end of Scripture. And if you don't understand what I'm talking about, let me just share with you a couple of thoughts. 
Because I really believe God addresses our longings from beginning to end. And in Genesis chapter 3, here's what Scripture reveals. And you say, Genesis chapter 3, isn't that about the fall of man, mankind? Absolutely it is. Watch what the Bible says. In verse number 6, it says, When the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat and gave also to her husband with her and he did eat. Here we have a person independent of God for the very first time. You remember in the creation story, God creates and he said, oh, it's good, it's good. He creates and he says, it's good. He creates and he says, it's, a, it's good. But then when he creates man, what? He looks at man and he says, mm-mm, problem, it's not good that man should be alone. I will make for him a help me, right? You remember that? So very, the very first time in Scripture, in Genesis chapter 3, we have a human being declaring that something is good aside from God. Now watch what happens. You see here, we see craving coming into play. Look at the word pleasant. If you guys have that verse up, look, it says, she saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes. Folks, in the Hebrew, that word pleasant literally means a longing a delight, a desire. When she saw the tree, she in her heart was filled with desire for what she thought that tree could bring her. And guess what? She took of the fruit, she ate, and she gave it to her husband. Oh, certainly we know that she was being duped by the devil. But because of her longing, because of her desire, because of her craving, Eve was in a position where she had to make a decision and she made that choice. And if we read in the New Testament, we know that Romans chapter 5 and verse number 12 reminds us about Adam's ill-fated sin and how that sin and death have passed on or, or been imputed to each and every one of us. But even still, I'm amazed when I look at Scripture because God addresses our greatest need and our greatest longing of all when He connects from the beginning of Scripture all the way to the end. He says, listen... I love you. I love you and I've got a plan. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, maybe you've never looked there before. But flip if you have your Bible all the way to Revelation 22. That's right near the end of Scripture. Revelation 22 and 21 is the last verse of Scripture. And this idea of connecting what we long for to the joy of Jesus Christ is so important to God that He says it one last time. You see, in Genesis chapter 3, Eve looks at the tree and she says it's plentiful and good for fruit, right? And so she has this desire for something other than God. But at the end of Scripture, look in verse number 17 in Revelation chapter 22. In Revelation chapter 22, in verse number 17, the Bible says, And the Spirit and the bride say, Come, and let him that heareth come. And let him that is a thirst come, and whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. Can you see it? It's right there in this one verse. Longing, thirsting, desiring of every heart. God says your longing can be satisfied without price. You say, ho, 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 it didn't cost nothing. No, it didn't cost you anything. It's without price for you. It's without price for me. He says your longing, your thirsting, and your desiring can be enjoyed, can be satisfied because guess what? I've already sent my son to pay the price. 
Oh, what a Savior. Look there. It says, the joy of long of every longing heart, the price has been paid, it's free. And notice that the very end of the verse, it says, and whosoever will. So whosoever will come, you come on. God says, you come on. You're hungry, you come on. You're thirsty, you come on. Whoever wants to come, whoever's desire is to, to hunger, to thirst, I'm inviting you to come. What an amazing God. Think about how the fact that uh, this Christmas that we could freely drink of the water of life for free. Oh, my friends, don't miss it this Christmas. Joy doesn't depend on what you make. Joy doesn't depend on your degrees. Joy doesn't depend on what you think you have or what you're going to achieve. Joy doesn't depend on how religious you are or how much you know of Scripture. Joy doesn't depend on how biblical your so-called spiritual resume is. Joy depends on Jesus. Just like they sang this morning. It's without price. It's without price. It's free. The Bible says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Oh, my friends, I think about uh, another thing that comes to mind is this idea that inappropriate longings can keep us from joy. You remember in the Old Testament, we will not read these passages for sake of time, but in Deuteronomy chapter 28, Scripture reveals that God is telling the children of Israel, uh, basically He gives them the old blessing versus cursing. You want blessing? He says, then here's what I need you to do. I need you to hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord, and I need you to observe, to do all that I command. And he says, if you do these things, in verse 1 and 2, he says, if you do these things, then I'm going to bring uh, blessings, and, and I'm going to put you high above all the nations of the earth. And he says, but you got to hearken unto the voice of the Lord. But if you keep on reading in Deuteronomy chapter 28, you get down to verse number 15, the tone changes because God says, uh, but if you don't do this, if you don't hearken diligently unto the voice of the Lord, if you don't observe to do all that I command you, then here I got another program for you. It's called cursings. And here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to bring these cursings in your life. And so God's setting a choice before the children of Israel. And if you run through after verse 15, I encourage you to read this on your own time, but the, uh, God starts to enumerate all the cursings that are going to come to God's people. And by the time you get down to verse number 32, it talks about the fact that God is going to take their sons and daughters, right? And he's going to give them to other people. And then it says this, And thine eyes shall look and fail with longing for them all the day long, and there shall be no might in your hand. God says, I'm serious about this thing. I'm serious about what you long for. I'm serious about what you crave or what you desire. It's no more evident than when I look at the story in Numbers chapter 11. You think about even in the Old Testament. I'm giving you a couple of Old Testament examples this morning. But in Numbers chapter 11, you remember the children of Israel are being led and fed by God. And they're out in the wilderness. And, and you remember the story. God sends them what? Manna, when the dew fell, the manna fell, and, and so God's feeding them. But if you remember the story, they get a little cantankerous. They get like a bunch of Baptists on a, on, on a, a long pastor's message, you know, and they're thinking about the, the buffet or whatever. And they start getting cantankerous, and they're like, uh, uh, and they said, I wish God would just send us some, some flesh to eat. They're, they're, they're not vegetarian, evidently. They're wanting some meat to eat, and so uh, they start crying out. 
Well, they start crying out so much. They're like, oh, we remember the leaks. We remember this. We remember all this. God brought us out of Egypt. He's brought us here to die. It's just a big old cry fest. Well, guess what? It gets so bad. The mixed multitude in verse 4, it gets so bad, they get Moses involved in it. And so you know the rest of the story. Moses, he does what every leader at this time does. He's like, oh, I guess I better go complain to God about it. So he goes and he complains. If you know the story, you know that God says, okay, you're not thankful? I'm not the joy of your longing heart? I'm not doing enough for you? I haven't brought you out of bondage? I haven't redeemed you? I haven't fed you? I haven't led you? If it's not enough, you want me to do something more? Okay, I'll show you what I'm going to do. I'm going to send the quail. Now, I don't know about you. I've never been big on eating quail. But God says, I'm going to send the quail. And if you read the passage of Scripture in Numbers chapter 11, now think about this, guys. I think about things all, when I read Scripture. you got to remember the size of the camp. you got two plus million people gathered around. This isn't no little small camp. This isn't a 10 by 12 tent. And the Bible says that on this side and on this side and all around God sends the quail two cubits high. And for those who are mathematicians, cubit is anywhere from 18 to 20 point some odd inches. All right, so two cubits. I got about 36 inches plus deep of quail all around this camp of two million complainers and whiners. The Bible says then that they go out and the least of them, the sickest among them, the, the least of them, they gather what is called 10 homers. And I'm not talking about home runs. We're talking about 10 homers. It's the equivalent of about 450 gallons tub of quail. They got so much quail, it's coming out of their nostrils. But here's the thing. What's the longing of their heart? The longing of the heart was to have this flesh to eat. They weren't satisfied with what God had done. And you know the rest of the story. If you read in Numbers chapter 11, you get down to verse number 34, and the end of that verse simply concludes, they buried the people that lusted. God said, listen, I should be the joy of your longing heart. I should be the joy. I'm the one leading and feeding. I'm the one that's doing all these things. But if you want quail, that's what I'll give you. If we go to the New Testament, by the way, I don't believe that God is making a, a case that uh, desiring or craving meat was bad. He was just simply saying that that desire, that craving should not be what controls you. That's what he was saying. We go to the New Testament. Paul tells the church at Ephesus in Ephesians 4, in verse 22 and 23, he says, put off concerning the former conversation or conduct of the old man which is corrupt according to what? Deceitful lust, deceitful cravings, deceitful desires, deceitful longing, the longing of your heart. He said, listen, if you're in Christ, you're a new creature, right? Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And he says, so guess what? He says, you need to get rid of these deceitful longings, these deceitful lusts that were running rampant in your life before Christ came in, and you need to be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Oh yes, as Christ followers, there are some deceitful longings and cravings that simply should not be entertained in our lives, in our thoughts, and in our actions. I think about just a couple of pages earlier in Ephesians chapter 2, in verse number 2, the Bible tells us uh, that uh, we all walked according 
It says this, We all walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. And if you read on in verse number 3, it tells us that we were dictated by desires, and that those desires were desires of the flesh and of the mind, not of God. And so it's so incredibly important to understand that some longings keep us from joy. Oh, we have to be careful. Like Adam and Eve of old, some longings end up redefining good as evil and evil is good. Isn't that what Isaiah said? Oh, we have to be careful. As sinners, I can tell you that our wants are warped. Our wants are warped many times, which is why our wants are unreliable to bring us joy. Oh, it's incredibly important for us to understand that the real joy that every longing heart is seeking for can and only will be found in Jesus Christ. Yes, ultimately, Jesus is the joy of and for every longing heart. He's the joy of and every for and of and for every longing heart. It was uh, C.S. Lewis in his book, Mere Christianity, who wrote these words. He said, if we find ourselves with the desire that nothing in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that we were made for another world. Don't drive your stakes too deep. Pastor Skinner, you say that all the time. Don't drive your stakes in too deep because we're moving on. Am I right? I just woke some of you up. This train's moving on. C.S. Lewis was right. He says, if you wake up, watch, he says, if you find yourselves with the desire that nothing in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that you were made for another world. The truth is, you and I long for much because you and I were made for much. Quit settling for less. Why do we settle for the pablum of this world? when we can celebrate and dine and feast on Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world. Oh, listen, the wise man Solomon reminds us in Ecclesiastes 3, in verse number 11, he says that God hath made everything beautiful in His time. Also, He hath set the world, and that word world more properly means eternity, in their heart. Think about this. How amazing is it that God places eternity in our heart so that he can then turn around and invite us back to himself. That's an amazing thought to me. Oh yes, our God's sensitive to our longings. You say, well, I've got some things that I desire, some things that I crave, some things that I long for that he's not provided for me. Guess what? Maybe those things are not what you need. You heard in the video testimony, there was something that I wanted, but it wasn't what I needed. And see, God, he gives us what, We need all the time. I think about David. David declared in Psalm 38 in verse number 9, he says, Lord, all my desire is before thee and my groaning is not hid from thee. What David was saying, think about this. A man after God's own heart. Think about this. What he's saying is that there's only one safe place. Safe place. For you and I to locate our longings, and then that's in the Lord Jesus Christ Himself. I don't know if you knew about it or have ever heard it, but nestled within the songs that the choir sang, 
this morning was a song that I learned to sing when I was a little boy. Being a music minister himself, after retiring from the military, my dad always made sure that each Christmas, every Christmas, that we would as a church uh, family sing Charles Wesley's uh, beloved hymn uh, entitled, Come Thou Long Expected Jesus. And I was doing some research on this hymn the other day, and I was reading how that in 1744, now I know the immediate thought is, well, Pastor, we live in 2020, not 1744. Sometimes I think we would do well to go back and study some history. Maybe we wouldn't make so many mistakes in 2020. But in 1740, that's another message. <laughs> that's another message. In 1744, it was said that Charles Wesley was reading in the book of Haggai. And he read Haggai 2 and verse number 7, which simply says this, And I will shake all nations, and the desire of all nations shall come, and I will fill this house with glory. And then he says, saith the Lord of hosts. Well, after reading Haggai 2, one of the most prolific hymn writers of all time, Charles Wesley, penned a prayer. He penned this prayer, and after penning a short prayer, and I, I won't read it to you, he then later adapted that prayer into a song. And it was the song that was sung this morning. And the amazing thing about Come Thou Long Expected Jesus is that Wesley was connecting Jesus' first advent, the season of advent, with his eventual second coming. And he did it in two short verses. Now, there are others who have come on along after Charles Wesley and added other lyrics to this timeless uh, classic. But uh, in the first verse, he connects the expectation of Israel. You remember Israel's waiting for a Messiah, but Charles Mes Wesley not only co connects the, their expectation for this Messiah, but he also connects it with the hope of all peoples in the first verse. And then in the second verse of his classic, he, uh, he goes on to explain what Jesus has, what Jesus can, and what Jesus will do. I want you to listen to these words one more time as I recite them to you this morning. He writes, Come thou long-expected Jesus, born to set thy people free. From our fears and sins release us. Let us find our rest in thee. Israel's strength and consolation, hope of all the earth thou art. Dear desire of every nation, joy every longing heart born thy people to deliver born a child and yet a king born to reign in us forever now thy gracious kingdom bring by thine own eternal spirit rule in all our hearts alone by thine all sufficient merit raise us to thy glorious throne oh my friends Every desire, every longing within this hymn turns you, it turns me back to the only one who is worthy and his name is Jesus. It was Blaise Pascal, and you may have heard this quote years ago. Blaise Pascal was the French physicist, mathematician, and philosopher of yesteryear. And Blaise Pascal proclaimed that there is a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of every man which cannot be filled by any created thing, but only God, the Creator, made known through Jesus Christ. 
Oh, my friends, Jesus is the joy of every longing heart. Now, if you have your Bible, I want you to, I want to close with this one verse. Look with me in Psalm 37. Psalm 37. I'm going to try and make a point here as we wrap up. And yes, this will be the only verse, Michaela, that I close with. <laughs> we joke sometimes that sometimes I'll say I close and then I have another verse. And then I have another verse. And then I have another verse. I promise. <laughs> pinky, pinky promise. <laughs> Psalm 37, notice with me. Here again we find David. Wow, a man after God's own heart. Was David perfect? Let's make sure we understand he wasn't perfect, but he was a man after God's own heart. And he says in verse number 4, look at with me. He says, delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Folks, if you look at verse 3, just before it, David tells us to trust in the Lord. But now in verse number 4, he's telling us that we need to seek our pleasure. We need to seek our delight in the Lord. So instead of craving, longing, or seeking satisfaction in the world or from anywhere else, David says that our delight should be in the persons of God the Father, Jesus Christ the Son, and the Holy Spirit of God. And that when we seek our joy, when we seek to delight in God, the complete revelation of God, that, oh, what a day that will be. Simply put, what David is saying is that the Lord should be our joy. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. He says, delight also in the Lord. Look at it again. Because I love the last part. It says, delight also in the Lord. And here's what we like about this verse, don't we? I've talked to people many times that say, well, the Lord hasn't given me what I desired. The Lord didn't do what he promised. The Lord, he says, delight in the Lord and he'll give me the desires of my heart. But here's what we do. We usually flip that verse on in. What we do is we say, Lord, if you'll give me the desires of my heart, then I'll delight in you. Lord, give me what I want and then I'll give you what you want. But friends, can I tell you that verse wasn't written that way and it doesn't work that way. Delight thyself in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. Now, here's where it gets really interesting. If you delight in the Lord, if Jesus is the joy of your longing heart, then guess what? The desires of your heart are going to change. This verse is not some kind of credit card cachet to where you can say, Lord, I delighted in you today. How come you didn't provide Fill in the blank. Lord, I served you today. Why didn't you give me? Fill in the blank. That's not that kind of verse. The verse says, delight thyself also in the Lord, and then he shall give you the desires of your heart. Here's the key. If I'm delighting in the Lord, then guess who is the desire of my heart? Uh-oh. The desire of my heart is the Lord. It's not all this other stuff, not all of this riffraff that's going on around. It's not consumed with all these people, places, and things. The desire of my heart, if it's Jesus Christ, then guess what? I'm going to delight in him anyway. And by the way, sometimes I feel like we act like Jesus needs to do more than he's already done. He died to pay the sin debt that I could never pay. How could he ever do any more? What an amazing Savior we serve. Oh, listen, a fun fact for you is that our longing and our hopeful waiting for the Lord, 
as Charles Wesley said at the end of his song, is that if Jesus is the longing of our heart, he said in the very last verse of the song, he said that Jesus one day, it'll be realized when he raises us to his glorious throne. Can you imagine it? Whether you love the person to the left or the right, or, or you're like, I'm not real sure about that person. One day, because of Jesus, we're all going to be around the throne singing songs of praise. Do you know the Bible says the angels are a little jealous? You, you know the angels have a jealousy problem because, see, there's going to be a song one day that only you and I as the redeemed can sing. Oh, what a day that's going to be when we sing the praise. The angels won't need to sing anymore because we'll be singing and we'll be celebrating the joy of every longing heart. Oh, my friends, Jesus is the hope of the earth. He's the desire of every nation. Whether they know it or not, He's the desire of every nation and He's the joy of every longing heart. God's gift of hope, love, and joy are forever. That's why the Apostle Paul was able to say, thanks be unto God for, our, for His unspeakable gift. Jesus is that unspeakable gift. So whether you're looking for joy or maybe you're here today and you're still, need, and still in need of joy. It's like an old song I used to sing years ago. <laughs> Some of you may have never heard of it. I give you Jesus. If you're looking for joy, or maybe you're still in need of joy, I give you Jesus. Because he is the joy of every longing heart. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you. For the songs that were sung today, we thank you for the joy that we can find in Jesus Christ. And Lord, certainly I'm mindful of the opportunity that presents itself on a day like this to remind people, just as Jesus did years ago, that if they're looking and working for their forgiveness or salvation in some other way, that they need not do it. It was Jesus who said, Come unto me, all ye that labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. So, Lord, no, no matter where a person is, no matter what situation they're in, we know that your desire, your hope, our hope, can only be found in Jesus. And so, Lord, I pray that if there's somebody in this room, somebody watching online that has never trusted Jesus Christ, that, that God-shaped vacuum in their heart has never been filled, that today that they might call out upon the name of the Lord for the forgiveness of sin and the, to have new life through Jesus Christ. Lord, we certainly understand that Your Word is clear. For all of sin and come short of the glory of God. We understand that You proved Your love. What else do You have to prove? You proved Your love in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So, Lord, I pray that with as much information as we have, that certainly if there's somebody that understands the gospel, understands that Jesus had to come and to live a perfect life, born of a virgin, suffered, was crucified and buried in a borrowed tomb, and then three days later, gloriously, victoriously arose from the dead, Lord, to conquer death, hell, and the grave. Lord, if they understand this and they've never called out upon the Lord, I pray that you'd break their heart to do it right now. That they would simply just put everything else aside. 
and that they would just seek your face. And certainly we understand it's not about words, but about the desire of the heart that transformation takes place. But Lord, if there's somebody in this room, somebody watching that has never called out upon the name of the Lord, maybe they would just simply pray this prayer. Dear Jesus, the best I know how, I really don't know it all, but the best I know how, and at this time and in this place, I, I'm asking you to forgive me of my sin. I'm asking you to come into my life and to change me from the inside out. I'm asking you to, to build that bridge where I was unable to build a bridge. I'm asking you to do the impossible, but I know that it's not impossible with you. Lord, help me to live a life from this day forward that brings you honor and glory. Help me to be in your word. Help me to grow. Help me to learn more about you in the coming days. Lord, I thank you for dying and paying the price to save my soul, to offer forgiveness to me. Lord, I thank you and I praise you in Jesus' name. Now, with no one looking around, if that's the prayer of your heart, that's the desire today, if that was the longing of your heart, so to speak, that you called out upon the name of the Lord, would you just look at me? I can rejoice with you. God bless you. God bless you, bro. Somebody else? Somebody else? Say, I wanted to trust Christ today. I've done that. I'm asking Him to forgive me of my sin and come into my life. Anybody else? Maybe you're here today and you say, you know what? I'm struggling a little bit with this joy issue. I'm looking for joy. But Pastor, to be honest, I've been looking in all the wrong places. Would you just pray for me that I might return my focus, that my cravings, my desires, my longings might be redirected on the joy of every longing heart? Pastor, would you pray for me? Would you just look at me? Maybe your joy's been focused in the wrong place. God bless you. God bless you. Just look at me. Catch my eyes. I'll not embarrass you. I just want to pray for you. I've been looking in the wrong place for joy. God bless you. God bless you. Somebody else. God bless you. I just want to refocus. I want to, I, I, Lord, I need you to give me wisdom. I need you to give me strength to put my focus back on you. God bless you. My cravings, my desires have been all wacky. And so I want to get them back. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. God bless you. God bless you. Lord, we thank you for the hands and the hearts the decisions that were made this morning. God, I thank you for this dear mother and son that have indicated their trust in Christ today. Lord, I pray that you would draw each of us closer to you during this season where we celebrate not only the joy that we have in Jesus, but the peace that we have in Jesus. The hope that we have in Jesus. All combined because of the love of Jesus. Lord, we thank you. We thank you for doing what only you can do. We thank you for the choir. We thank you for the leadership. We thank you for all the things that were used today to bring you honor and glory. God, we thank you for the salvation of these souls. We thank you for the opportunity to pray at your throne for these ones who have been looking for joy in all the wrong places, but Lord, they desire to put their focus, their, their cravings back on you. Lord, I pray that you would be with us as we go out of this place, as we carry the light and the love and the truth of the gospel to our friends, to our families, to our co-workers, and to our 
Jerusalem and Judea here in Northern Virginia. Lord, we love you and we thank you. We pray this in the precious name of Jesus and for his sake. Amen and amen. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like more information about our ministry, check out our website at battlefieldbaptist.org or follow us on Facebook and Instagram. We'll see you next time.